You're listening to the Young Baptist Podcast, a show that exists to call believers to committed faithfulness to God's Word, to equip Christians by answering the tough questions that need to be asked, and to challenge churches on everything that distracts us from the beauty and glory of Christ. Now, here's your hosts, Clay Maynard and Josh Johnson. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. My name is Clay Maynard, and I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Johnson. We're two guys committed to gospel-shaped ministry, and we want to see our brothers and sisters be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. Josh, we have got a new setup with Red Circle. If you have not already gone over there, we would very much appreciate you taking a few minutes to go check out our Red Circle And for those of you who are able and willing and would like to be a part of what we do here at the Young Baptist Podcast, we would appreciate you taking a minute to click the link in the description of these episodes and select an amount. It could be a one-time gift. It could be a recurring gift. But for anyone who gives at least $5 a month, we have a very special gift just to say thank you for your partnership with us here at the Young Baptist Podcast. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, you could... Donate as little as a dollar a month, whatever you feel like is best. But we definitely encourage those $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 gifts. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> Josh, are you auditioning for K-Love? Is that what's happening right now? I'm just practicing. Uh, everyone's always told me I have a face for radio. So, you know, <laughs> I have to get ready for my future career in that. Well, Josh, we are so glad to have Lance Schmidt with us today. Uh, He is an associate pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newington, Connecticut. He leads worship and creative media there. Uh, And he's a husband, he's a father, and we're so glad to have you with us, Lance. How's it going, man? Hey, guys, I'm doing well. Really excited to be with you. It's great uh, just being able to catch up. And uh, I've, I've listened to a couple episodes, and I'm just excited about what you guys are doing. And I think you're killing it. So thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. We really appreciate it. We're excited about the conversation today. Um, Lance, before we get into any farther here, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Maybe let them know where you're at and what God's called you to do there. Yeah. So uh, I'm Lance. I've uh, been here in Newington, Connecticut for the last close to nine years. Uh, I grew up at a very large ministry out in uh, Southern California for my whole life and, um, really had just a rich upbringing in, uh, the word. And, uh, my dad was a pastor out there and God called him out here to, uh, Newington. And shortly after I graduated college, I came out here to help him and, uh, got married and it's just been an incredible last nine years. We've seen God do just a revival work. Um, we believe up here in uh, new England, God has grown our church numerically, spiritually, uh, we're seeing lives changed and uh, transformed for the gospel. And so it's just been a blessing, man. I, I help uh, here on our staff and I oversee um, the media storytelling aspect of our of our ministry, uh, as well as the worship. So which is what we're going to talk about today. It's going to be great. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. Yeah, Lance, I in the last few years, you mentioned your dad. The last few years, he's become, uh, you know, a hero of mine. I've, you know, in the short time I've gotten to be around him and talk to him and, and know of his ministry and learn from his ministry from afar. He's just such a, such a super deep, uh, guy. And, uh, he's just been a huge help to me in the last couple of years, just his spirit and, and his approach to ministry has been a huge help to me. And then because of that, I started, I know, you know, Josh from Bible college, you guys went to Bible college together. Uh, but you know, because of, uh, 
that exposure to to your your dad and his ministry, I started, you know, acquainting myself a little bit with your church and I'd watch some of your live, live streams and stuff. And it's, that's been encouraging to me uh, as a worship leader here at fellowship. I know I've talked to Josh about, you know, whether it was just songs that I, I was exposed to through your guys, uh, worship team and, or, or something you were doing, uh, specifically just trying to benefit from people around, you know, how you do that. You listen to see, want to see what other people are doing, see what works, what doesn't kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it made me really excited to, and, it, and then of course I met you at, um, the idea summit in Las Vegas, um, earlier this year, I think January that was. Um, and so it was pretty early on. I was like, we should talk to Lance soon. So I'm really glad we're able to do this, man. Oh, I'm, I'm pumped, man. And I'm, I, I feel humbled that you guys would have me on. I don't, I don't feel like I know much or have learned much in these last nine years, but God has grown <laughs> me, um, as an individual and has, uh, I, th I think just overall grown me in my understanding of the gospel and of what worship is, um, mm. and what it looks like, at least in our church context. And so I hope that some, I hope that something said, um, will just be a blessing to somebody. I, I was scrolling through like your guys' guest list. I'm like, they've had Jared Wilson on here. They, they've had, you know, Carrie Schmidt on here. You know, they've had all these people. I'm like, man, I, I hope I can just offer something that is an encouragement to somebody. So hey, yeah, well, yeah, it's going to be great. We've been amazed by that too, because you shouldn't feel, you shouldn't feel less than at all because the hosts are, are Clay and Josh down in Panama city, Florida. So don't worry. Don't worry at all. We have had some amazing guests, but you're, you're, you're awesome. We're excited to talk to you. Um, well, and you were, you know, obviously something that we're all passionate about here is, is worship. And that's not just music. That's, that's a lifestyle for the Christian, uh, one yeah. that lives in awe of God and who he is and lives in awe of the gospel and that the, the, the transforming work of the gospel in our lives. And something that you, you've said, you don't feel like you've learned much in the last nine years, but I think it's been true of me too, that when I'm seeing God do things in our church, when I'm seeing God grow disciples in their their practice and in their heart of worship, when I see that growth happening, I couldn't point to a single thing that we're doing. It's it, and I, maybe that's often true of what God's doing, where you feel less effectual, maybe it's sometimes, or you feel like you don't know exactly what to put your finger on. You're just pursuing, trying to pursue the right things, and then God does things, and you're like, I don't, I don't really exactly know what we did. I don't know. And maybe that's the key there. Yes. You know, we we uh -huh. pursue the right things that that spiritual growth happens. Those positive things happen and God gets all the glory for it because because there's not some sort of like, hey, here's the strategy to to, you know, just get all the right results you want. Um, and mm -hmm. so that's just been that's amazing. And I, I can certainly relate to what you're saying. They're like, hey, we've just been trying to pursue Christ and show others how to do it. And he's been doing amazing things. So that's, that's awesome to hear. You, you, you said it better than I could have ever said it, but that's exactly how I feel. Like, seriously, you articulated it perfectly. I, I sometimes feel like, dude, I, I don't know why. Cause I, I hear often, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm watching you guys live stream or, you know, Hey, you guys, you guys did the song or I've had plenty of conversations this past year, just in 2021 alone with just a lot of different worship leaders all across the country. And every time I'm amazed and it's almost like when we talk they're you know, wanting to know how we did things, I think naturally, you, you know, you, you kind of uh, gravitate to those questions. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, we're, we're just like up here in our little corner of, you know, the world, just trying to make an impact for Christ. And I don't feel like we're doing anything special. 
Um, so like even coming on, you know, stuff like this, it's just, I think it's taking time to sit down and, and, and go, okay, what are some practical things that we've done maybe, but man, you're right. All the glory goes to God. I mean, the, the more that we pursue him, um, in worship, in our, in our lifestyle through, um, corporate worship as well, um, through the preaching and teaching of the word, like the more that we proclaim the gospel, the more he is made known and the more he's going to just do the work, right? Like with Absolutely. or without us, he's going to do yes. the work. It's going to happen. Our job's just to get out of the way. So anyway, I, I've rambled enough, but yeah, well, it's, it's true that I think you what you said, it's true that there are, there are like, there are helpful things you can learn. There are practical things that you can do, but at the end of the day, you, there always is that sense that, I couldn't point to that as some sort of key to success. Like these are, these are helpful things because we all want to do, we all want to be excellent in the way we help people connect in worship. And so we want to do that with as few obstacles as possible with as much. I mean, we want to be one of those people movers at the airport. Like if somebody wants to worship God, we want to get, we want to be, the church wants to be there helping them do that. So certainly there are like, there's like things I've learned that are helpful, but when it comes to why, why something's successful, and I could certainly see what you're describing where somebody looks at the church and what God's doing and is like, Hey man, music ministry is a big part of that. Let's what's, what's the strategy? What's the key? Oh yeah. man, like we can talk about what we're doing, what you're doing, whatever. But at the end of the day, God gives the increase and, and pursuing him and making him, making Jesus big is what, mm-hmm. is what really is behind all of it. That's right. That's it. Something I've really come to appreciate about, uh, the ministry there, as I've observed is the centrality of the gospel and how you guys put a place, a high premium on focusing in on the gospel. And I'm kind of wondering with that focus or, you know, from my perspective, perceived focus that you guys have on the gospel, how, uh, how have you let the gospel shape your worship ministry and how you lead the church in worship, even on a regular basis? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think probably one of the most key elements just just um flows from how we operate as a team which is hey we want this to be what god wants it to be and i know that sounds super like ambiguous right it's like okay well (laughs) just be a christian (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know like there's a lot of it, it sounds super ambiguous but um it's true like if i were to nine years ago have set out to make this music ministry what I wanted it to be. It would look different than it does today. You know, if, if Carrie Schmidt nine years ago had set out for it to be exactly what he wanted it to be at that moment in time, it would look much different than it does today. Like I, I truly believe that what we have going here, um, it's not something that, that people haven't seen before. I mean, there's plenty of churches with similar styles of worship that we have. It's nothing special in that way, but it is special in the fact that um, it's not what I would have picked. It's not what Carrie Schmidt, you know, the lead pastor would have picked. It's what God has just organically kind of made happen through our team. And so I I would say a key element of um, letting the gospel inform how God has shaped our, our style of worship is every step of the way I've just continually asked God. And so has uh, my dad as the pastor, God, what do you want this to be? You know? And, um, I've found that at every pivotal juncture of 
of um, the development of our worship team. God has given us clear direction, um, even just like stylistically or um, philosophically, like what our team is going to be like, how we're going to operate, what our sound is going to feel like on a Sunday morning, you know, Um, a lot of that stuff. So I, I feel like it starts there. It starts with us laying down our agendas for what we want this church to be, you know, at the foot of the cross and just going, God, you, you shape this, you mold this, um, purge out any, you know, impure motives, um, from my heart as this develops. And there's been plenty of times where I've wanted to take, you know, the music, maybe a little more this way, or, or, you know, he's wanted to take it a little more this way. And we've had to be sensitive to hang on, you know, is, is that God leading us that way? Um, has God gifted our team in that way? Has he given us resources to go that way? All that stuff. We're taking all that into Mm. account when we're making decisions on, you know, the, the direction of, of our worship. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, absolutely. Do you, you were talking a little bit about your philosophy. Do you, does your church have, does your team have, do you have, I guess, a, a, any sort of articulated like philosophy of worship or, or maybe just, maybe it's not openly stated, but it's sort of behind the scenes. This is what we, when it comes to worship, when it specifically, obviously, you know, music ministry here in our church, uh, these are the basic guidelines. These are the basic foundations that we, that we run everything, you know, by what is our base, what's your philosophy of worship there at the church? Yeah. I, I feel like I, I feel like I could answer this like two different ways. So just to clarify, like, um, there are values that I preach to our team as far as how I want our team to be with each other. Um, and that, that's not the direction that, that I'm going to go. Um, but I did kind of, you know, you, you guys asked me early on, Hey, what, what are, what are some foundational truths that kind of guide our philosophy for church worship? And I, I did kind of think through those. So if you guys are cool, I'll just kind of share those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first one, and, and, and some of these are going to feel obvious, um, and th- that's okay to me, uh, but I'm just going to share them. So the first one is absolutely nothing replaces uh, the corporate, uh, the, excuse me, absolutely nothing replaces the work of corporate worship in our hearts. There's nothing on planet earth, um, in my humble opinion, and I feel like according to what we see with scripture, there's nothing on planet earth that replaces what corporate worship does in our hearts. Um, Nothing replaces the singing of God or uh, the songs of God with uh, the people of God. Right. So uh, Colossians chapter three and verse 16, it says, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right. in all wisdom. And the second part of that verse says teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, mm. nothing new. We haven't heard. Right. But I've felt this so much more, especially in the last few years of man, there's, there's nothing that replaces this. And I think one thing that really exposed it in a lot of our churches was 2020, you mm. know, it Absolutely. was pandemic. It was quarantine. It was all of us being away from each other and realizing, man, that they're, they're <laughs> watching my worship team do, you know, a cool, you know, worship video or watching them on live stream is not the same as being in person next to believers, singing and preaching the gospel, the scriptures to each other. It's what we were created to do. Uh, and we see in, in, in scripture, it's, it's like, it's one of the very few things that like gives us a taste of heaven, right? Like we see in, 
um, Revelation chapter five, where it's, it's like, you know, quite literally heaven coming down to earth for us. Revelations five um, and verse nine, you know, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. And uh, we see in, in uh, verse 13, like the largest choir, right. Ever known to man. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard every creature in heaven and earth under the sea. Um, all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and the lamb be blessing, honor, glory forever. Amen. So there, there really is nothing that replaces that for us. Um, which I, I, I feel like, um, kind of, kind of leads me to my, to my second, I guess, just foundational truth that might be a little controversial, which I feel like you guys are, are always down for, um, <laughs> <laughs> the corporate worship experience is second to nothing else on Sundays. The corporate worship experience is second to nothing else on Sundays. And some people might say that the worship would be second to the preaching and teaching of God's word, which to be honest with you, I, I, I probably would not argue them on that. My, my, um, my case would be what we are doing according to Colossians three sixteen and others is we, we literally are preaching the word while we're singing, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not just about, um, what I'm not saying is, um, the style of the music it, it, or, uh, you know, even like if you have a good church worship band, the coolness factor of the worship is, you know, what draws people or, uh, what should draw people or that, 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 that as an entity should be over preaching the word of God, the preaching and teaching. What I am saying though, is, I, I don't, I don't make a distinction between the two, you know, yeah. I think the only distinction is, you know, one is, you know, giving truth to a melody and the other is stating truth through illustrations and through giving scripture, but they're both doing the work of the gospel, doing the work of scripture in our hearts. And literally when we are singing, we're not just singing to God there, there there's, there's obviously that a vertical aspect of our worship, but there's that horizontal aspect that so often we miss, which is we are teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This mm -hmm. past Sunday, when we in our service um, sang the three or four songs that we sang, there there were believers that have been in our church for 40 plus years that were singing their guts out. And across the row from them was you know, new Christians, new to our church in the last two, three months, singing their guts out. And, you know, for the, for the new Christian, it's looking at, you know, the old Christian, so to speak going, man, I, I it's that that's encouraging, right? That's, that's admonishing, man. I, I want to be faithful to what God has called me to the truth. I want to be faithful to the truth for as long as they have. And for the, the old Christian, it's encouraging to the new believer looking at them going, man, it's so exciting that the gospel is still ringing true. Like people are mm. coming to Christ. This is a young believer here and we're both proclaiming the same truth. Yeah. Um, I love that. Anyway. Your, your, your conversation around what you were just saying that there's, that you don't make the distinction that you see some others between the, in the worship service, between the preaching of God's word and the, and the singing and worship, because they're both, they're both two sides of the same coin mm -hmm. in, in effect. You're, you're, you know, we, we send our kids to school and not only do they lecture them, they actually teach them all these songs to teach the principles they're teaching. So you're absolutely correct. The idea that when we're singing, uh, corporately, 
the idea that we're not still preaching the gospel, the idea that we're still not preaching the truth of God's word. This is all, it's different elements, but it's all the one experience. When you're talking about um, the experience of corporate worship, that's all, it's, it's all part of it. One is not, uh, one's not setting the table for the other. They're yes. both part of the, of the, of the feast, if that right. makes sense. And I, I right. love, I love that distinction that you made there. And c- c- could I, could I say this real quick? So I feel like, you know, I, I feel like a big part of your guys' audience is probably people from the independent fundamental Baptist world, or, you know, what I call fringe IFB or, you know, sure. XIFB, whatever. Okay. <laughs> and I feel like the independent fundamental Baptist world ha- has to do like, if they want to survive and they want their church worship to um, live into the next generation, they've got to fight that mindset as much as they mm-hmm. possibly can. Because what happens is when music is just something that sets up, you know, the preaching of the word, which is, it's kind of what I was taught growing up too. you know, mm-hmm. music yeah, is same. to prepare the hearts of the people, you know? And I, I feel like there was a day maybe where that served a good purpose, which was, you know, the church worship was much more geared towards special music, you know, and mm-hmm. solos and duets and stuff like that, where people would spectate. Were they encouraged? Did God use that? Of course. But mm-hmm. I feel like what you create when you do that is you create um, not only just, you know, a sea of, of, of spectators, but you create people that are just disengaged and unaware of what corporate worship truly is. Like th- they're not connecting their Sunday worship with that, uh, that verse in, you know, Colossians chapter three and verse 16, where we are preaching and teaching to one another as we sing. So that's huge. And if, if you're not making that connection, then you're missing it. And mm. it, it, you know, in, in the independent fundamental Baptist world, I feel like there's just tons of people that I don't want to just blanket, you know, every church out there. Cause I don't think that's the case for every church, but I think there are a lot of people that zone out during the music. Like it's the same four or five hymns every week. Yeah. I don't sing that good anyway. You know, yeah, it's not, yeah. And if it's just to prepare my heart for the preaching, like I'm ready. So like, we're good, you know? And I, I think there's just a huge disconnect there that, that we've got to fight. Absolutely. Um, so my, my last two principles, um, that I just wanted to share Principle number three is discipleship goes hand in hand with our corporate worship experience. This is, this is my view of it. Um, discipleship goes hand in hand with our corporate worship experience. So corporate worship, similar to what we just talked about, helps the body both teach and be taught. Um, Bob Coughlin, he said, uh, while singing involves me, it's never just about me. And the mm. bottom line is part, part of, part of singing isn't just a, you know, emotional event. Um, and we can, we can kind of get to that in a little bit, but it's also an educational event. Um, we've got to let scripture preach to us through song and we've got to preach it to others through song. So I see what we're doing at, as a discipleship on, on Sunday mornings, to be honest yes. with you, we're, we're preaching and teaching the word. And the number four, uh, principle is this, um, evangelism is a natural byproduct of the corporate worship experience. That's, that's my view of it. Um, I, I, I read uh, a great book early on that was written, I think in the early nineties or maybe the eighties it's called, um, worship evangelism by Sally Morgenthaler. And I know we're going to talk about books at the end, but that was uh, very transformational for me. And that helped me understand like 
whether I like it or not, my, my worship experience on a Sunday is being evangelistic, whether that's evangelizing in a negative way (laughs) or whether it's evangelizing, you know, through a positive light. Um, we just recently had a, had a guy come to our church and he ended up at the end of our service, trusting Christ as his savior, just placing his faith in Christ. It was, it was awesome to talk to him after the service, but he said to me, he said, um, Lance, he said, the moment that you guys started singing that song, Oh, come to the altar. He said, I knew it was, it was, it was, I knew that God was calling me to trust him. I Mm -hmm. knew the moment you guys sang that song, that song gripped me. And I knew in my heart that I needed to be saved, even though I, I didn't know necessarily what that meant. I knew that, that I wanted a relationship with God. And he said to look around the auditorium, the worship center and seeing believers so passionately sing to this God that they proclaim is real. He said, that's part of what convinced me to listen to the song, to listen Mm -hmm. to the preaching, to um, be open to what, what the gospel is. And again, he trusted Christ right at the end of the service. That's powerful. That that's a, that's just a, uh, you know, a microcosm of, of what is happening in churches all over the country, all over the world, every Sunday, which is, man, this is really hard, man. When you have a, when you have a, cause you, we know the proclamation of the gospel to the lost is a big part of what our churches do. And we know when, when lost people inevitably are going to come into our churches on Sunday that we want a part of our service. That's why we're always preaching the gospel both because the saved need it, but also because there's, you know, you never know who's sitting in there who needs to hear the gospel, but how much more powerful it is. And I've, I've never, it's never occurred to me until you just gave that, that gentleman's testimony, how powerful it is to hear the preached word of the gospel. But then in his case, to actually see the entire congregation confess their need for Jesus corporately. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, it's, it's humbling to everybody in the room because we're all saying, hey, we're no, nobody's different from anybody else. We're all here professing corporately our need for Christ. And right. what, a, what a witness that is compared to maybe somebody, if you, if you don't have a good worship culture if, or if there's just not the discipleship has not been done yet that needs to be done. If you had a really disengaged worship atmosphere, how that might, that might not have that effect because you don't see that, that real genuine a profession of, Hey, we need Jesus. All of us here need it. And we're all professing our faith in the gospel. Like, as opposed to when you do have that, that rich expression of it publicly, the effect that that could have on somebody in an evangelistic way, that's amazing. Yeah. And I, I, I think if it's not, um, I don't know, like, I think at the other end of the spectrum, it, it can be very, um, off-putting like to a visitor. And I, I know we could get into, you know, the conversation of like, is, is the church primarily for, you know, the saints or, you know, the sinners and, you know, all, <laughs> yeah. all, all that stuff. But like for, for someone to come into your church service as an unbeliever at the other end of the spectrum that we're talking about, it can be really off-putting. And here's what I mean. Like if you were to walk into a service you know what, just just scrap that. If you were to walk into any type of corporate gathering and everyone has, you know, their hands in their pockets and is staring at a screen and half mumbling, you know, (laughs) words together, it's going to feel very cultish. I don't know how if you feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's going to be like, okay, like everyone drank the Kool-Aid here. This is, this is interesting, you know? (laughs) 
on the other end of that spectrum, I think it could be true too. If, if, if you walk into a building and you know, like everyone's in the middle of this mosh pit, you know, (laughs) it could could also feel like, whoa, everyone drank the Kool-Aid, you know, but if, if you were to walk to a gathering where people are in a very healthy, um, unscripted manner, you know, some are passionately worshiping the Lord. Some are standing there, you know, worshiping in their hearts, maybe even praying. Some are getting really excited and, you know, clapping Mm -hmm. like that when, when there isn't this like cultish kind of standard of like what worship should be, I think it allows the spirit to work in hearts individually. I don't know how we got off on that. So I'm just going to leave that with you guys. No, that's, that's, that's absolutely good, true because yeah. do people do are touch differently. They are, and they express it differently. And, and that's also a, a great testament to how God works at, with us as individuals. Um, since we're kind of talking about the, the congregation and discipling the congregation through worship, what can, or, well, let me ask it this way. What have you done as a worship leader? to help disciple people away from uh, passivity and apathy in the congregation into a pattern of engaged worship during the service. Yeah. um, I feel like, first of all, I just need to say, I mean, there's no like magic pill, like every, you know, individual in your church is responsible for how they're responding to corporate worship. Right. So it's not like we as worship leaders have this magic answer. That's just going to really, you know, engage every single person in the room. Um, that's just not the case, but I, I feel like in order to understand how, how we can disciple people away from this, we we've got to grasp this thought first, which is passivity and apathy are, are not just like self-inflicted things. So like, I feel like Mm. passivity and apathy and especially in a church context can be often even incited or inflicted, whatever you want to say through church leadership. Mm. So I, I feel like so often, um, maybe the reason that a church is apathetic or passive, and this is why we're talking about this, obviously is because church leadership isn't doing much to change that. Right. And Mm. they're probably even playing into it. (laughs) Um, Mm. So just, you know, some, some thoughts to consider maybe not, not your church specifically, but just to whoever's listening, maybe your church is apathetic or passive in worship because they're tired of singing the same four hymns every Sunday. Hmm. Maybe that's a part of it. Maybe they're um, bored with stiff, unengaging music. Maybe that's why they're, they seem passive and apathetic. Sure. Maybe they're tired of our unplanned transitions between songs and, you know, awkwardly fumbling to the next one and not knowing what we're going to say, or the lyrics being misspelled on the screens for the umpteenth time, (laughs) you know, like maybe it's that stuff that subconsciously, plays into people's, Oh, here we go again. You know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. we're sending the message with our, with our apathy, essentially we're modeling apathy because we're sending the message that we have not put, we've not prepared properly. We're, this doesn't. So we're sending the, the implicit message that it doesn't matter that much. Well, yeah. you know, I, th- I think a lot of times we, especially as ministry leaders, we, this is what we do. 
So this is business as usual. Mm-hmm. And we don't take into consideration that, you know, the lady on the fourth row on the left-hand side of the auditorium has gone through a horrible week. Yeah. And she came into the congregation and we're just going through business as usual. She's not getting anything out of that service. And right. we're feeding into that. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. And I, so I, I feel like, because I feel like right away, and this is, I promise you, this is like classic for, I feel like most worship leaders that I talk to asking for advice on, on how we change things. And some, sometimes what I want to just shout at them, which is probably not viable, but what I want to do is be like, dude, like the problem is not your people that God has given you. The problem is you like the problem is the way that you're doing things and not just the way that you're doing things, but your attitude and your heart about it. Like Mm. if you want to disciple people away from passivity and apathy, the first thing to do is care more about what you're doing. Um, get a better mindset about it. Yeah. Um, you know, Disci- go get alone with God, David, and encourage Disciple, yourself disciple Lord. yourself away from passivity and apathy, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. model that for people like, Hey, this matters. This is, this is a big deal. This is, well, it's true. I mean, you can't lead others if you're not leading yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I feel like once you get that stuff straight, what you do is you cultivate a heart for excellence. And this is, I I feel like kind of step two into that, which is, and so many people are just off put by that, by that, even that statement or the idea of like making your sound as professional or as good as possible, as engaging as possible. Um, So many people shy away from that, at least um, in the world that we've been in, because they automatically connect excellence to performance yep. or, you know, mm-hmm. excellence to, you know, we're, we're putting on a show or, you know, a concert and that's not it at all. Like the gospel is excellent. The gospel is the most beautiful thing on planet earth. And if we do a bad job at representing it, then that's going to be off-putting. So the next thing I, I, after, you know, attention to detail and, you know, all those things is just cultivating a heart for excellence. And, um, focus on excellence in your music. And I, I feel like what that's going to do is create, help create that engaging worship experience, um, engaging corporate worship service that you want. And just, you know, like bare bones, like practical stuff that we should be doing. Like we should be double and triple checking the lyrics every week. You know, we should be singing engaging songs that they're excited about and want to learn. Uh, and of course that are doctrinally, um, correct and, you know, well, well thought through and, you know, all that stuff, um, we should be focusing on how we transition from song to song. We should be, uh, focusing on the details in every area of what makes that experience, that type of experience. The, the reason that people walk into Emmanuel, just to personalize this for us, the reason that people walk into Emmanuel on a Sunday morning and are just, uh, um, you know, for, for lack of a better term, wowed at um, things is because of the attention to detail. And I, mm-hmm. we, I draw a direct correlation from that, not to, um, you know, Carrie Schmidt and, and his upbringing or, you know, Lance Schmidt or any other person on our staff. I, I take that and draw a direct line to the gospel. The gospel is, is beautiful. It's wonderful. And we've got to 
I don't want to say package it, but um, we've got to help get do the best. Here, here it is. We've got to do the best thing that we can do to get out of the way of yes. that impacting people. That's what I'm yes, trying to say. I love Sorry. that. Yeah, we're we're rolling stones out of the way so that people can can get to Jesus. And and I've one of the difficult things in music ministry is that there is such a level of skill to it. And and now there are some people who immediately want to shy away from that and say, "Oh, that's showmanship." Like you were saying, it's a performance, it's whatever. I don't think people struggle so much when when it's a when it's a speaker, when it's a when it's a preacher from that. We realize, "Oh, that person is a great preacher. Like we realize that person is skilled. His delivery is excellent and it really makes an impact. And and I don't see the shying away from that like I do from the music side, but it's, it's the same, it's the same principle. So we shouldn't, I mean, the Bible says, God says they to play skillfully, you know? So yes. the, the, the idea, and, and if there's no expectation. I know at our church, uh, most churches, I'm sure that you're some professional vocalist or that you're some, uh, in, insanely talented person, but mm-hmm. just doing the best that you can do because that, that is felt in the room when you're prepared. It doesn't matter what your skill level is. If, mm-hmm. if it's, if you're the best one equipped to do it and you're the one there doing it right. and the people there know you already, they know when you, when you've prepared, when you've practiced, when you've done the work. And like we were saying before, it sends that implied message that this isn't, this matters. This is important to us. Yeah. What we're doing Mm -hmm. here together corporately on Sunday, we're not trying to waste time. We're here. We want to be effective. We want to be efficient. But what we're really here to do is to, as you said, get ourselves out of the way so that there's nothing distracting. There's nothing taking away from, there's nothing, um, nothing holding people back from just full bore openly worshiping God. That's what we want. Um, and, and th- that doesn't exalt the people leading it at all. That mm-hmm. all that does is make it, make it easy for people's heart to be brought into worship. And, you know, it's like we're saying, it's not about the performance. It's not about a show. It's yep. just about, you said it so great, getting, getting ourselves and getting any distractions out of the way. Um, and when we do an excellent job, that's, that's what people go away with. It wasn't how beautiful so-and-so's voice was. It wasn't that at all. It was, wow, I was just in the, mo-. like, you almost forget where you're at. You ever have that happen? Like you're just worshiping yeah. God. Oh yeah. And you're like, like you snap back into like, oh, I'm in this room full of people sometimes. Like you're, you're just so, your, your heart is so worshipful toward God. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing, but that's not going to happen if we're, as you're talking about, we, we've not, we've not thought through what Sunday morning looks like. We, we're not prepared. We're not ready because then all those little things that gum up the works are a distraction from right. that. And we, we, we've, we've got to connect that excellence in worship to the two things that I, that I mentioned earlier, which is discipleship for believers and mm-hmm. evangelization to unbelievers that are in that church setting. If mm-hmm. we don't connect excellence in worship, to those two things, discipleship and evangelization. That's why we have an engaging worship experience is yes, to glorify God. We're singing to him ultimately, but what we're doing is discipling and evangelizing as well. If we don't connect excellence and worship to Mm -hmm. that, we automatically connect it to entertainment. That's just right. It's just human nature. That's awesome. I, I, I would just say the last thing personally that I do to help engage and disciple believers in our church service is, um, I, I try to connect scriptures and song origins to our worship. Hmm. Um, so what I mean by that is um, just about any time that we sing 
the old hymn, Be Thou My Vision. <laughs> like, I love that song. And yeah, I'm, I'm always mentioning, hey guys, this is literally a sixth century Irish hymn that we're about to sing. Like, how cool is this? You yeah. know, mm. and I'm, I'm helping them understand maybe what went into that song. I'm, I'm helping them understand that when we sing Jesus paid it all again, one of my favorite hymns, um, it's a great one written, written back in the 1800s by Elvina Hall. I'm helping them understand that when we sing that song, she was in a choir loft. Like when she wrote that song, she was getting bored with the pastor's preaching. It was taking too long and she couldn't find a piece of paper to, you know, write down this song. So she grabbed the hymn book that was in front of her. And in the flyleaf of the hymn book, she penned the words, Jesus paid it all, all to him. I owe, you know, wow. I'm, 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 I'm trying to connect Psalms 103 with the song that we sing 10,000 reasons, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Hey guys, when we sing this, we are literally singing scripture. When we sing Psalm 34 by Shannon chain, one of my favorites, we sang this past Sunday. It's we are one. literally singing scripture. Like there's not much changed in this song, you know? And I I've had people tell me time and time again, that have come from both sides of the equation, people from hardcore IFB churches that are now here, you know, unsaved believers, um, people from other types of churches that have come in and they say, man, one of the things I appreciate most about the worship that helps me engage with it is when you explain what this song is about, or mm -hmm. when you connect the scripture that, you know, is, was originated, you know, from that song or vice versa. Sorry, I got that backwards, but, um, that, that really helps people engage uh, with that. You were just talking about things that help people connect uh, in worship. Something that they've appreciated is understanding the the history of these songs. One of the things that I've noticed about the what you guys do, and I love it because I'm I'm we're striving to do the same thing here at Fellowship, and that is um, there is a great combination of creativity and bringing in new fresh material to learn together and to grow in as a congregation in in what you do musically but also this this rich appreciation for what christian history has given us and it disciples new believers in in the fact that we're trusting a savior who was here 2000 years ago and there's these hundreds and thousands of years of christian history so we're drawing from that and 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 that in in that enriches our worship experience but we're also realizing god's still doing things today and there yeah. are, he's still putting skilled, talented people in our churches, and those people are using their gifts to honor God and, and create excellent music today. And there's that there's that sort of marriage between drawing from rich Christian history and bringing in um, great examples into our music and 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 style even from what God's giving the church today. Um, but that comes with a lot of conflict. Like churches today really struggle, I think, with how should our team be set up? And um, there's even conversation around the worship wars, they've called them, like whether or not we accept songs written by the wrong people or whether or not we, um, or performed by the wrong people or or whether or not we, we incorporate this worship style or philosophy or whether or not we let our team be set up certain ways. What would you say? And I'm not saying there's a one size fits all. But what would you say is is your approach to that, um, and how has that developed since you've been leading in this way? Yeah, um, I would just say right off the bat, like I I feel like what we want in in church music as worship leaders is, and we would never say that we want this, but we want 
to be put in a box. Like we want a plug and play method of this is, this is how I should do things. And I, like, I mean that at, at both ends of the spectrum. And if, if you're listening and, and you don't think this is you just, just give me a chance to explain this because it, it might be. So hmm. with, with the old paths crowd, you know, I know there's like a lot that we could go into with that, but um, that is a, a way of doing things with your music, right? Mm-hmm. It's sure. hey, like grab the red book that's, you know, on the, on the back of your pew and open up the page number. <laughs> you know, such and such. And we got a pianist over here. I'm going to stand up here and wave my arms like a choir director. And we're going to like, we're going to sing this out together. And by the way, like I, I obviously there are churches that genuinely worship like that way. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Like great for them, you know? Um, but, but like you got that whole model, if you will, which is, which is kind of like a box that a lot of IFB churches are just like, Hey, like, this is how you should do music. You know, we all learned it the same way at, you know, all the different Bible colleges, like it is what it is. And then at the other end of the spectrum that like, believe it or not, there, there's a box there too, like that, that people just want to fit in. And it's the, you're not doing worship music, right. Unless you got the what now is like the classic, you know, five piece worship band, you know, right. <laughs> and it's like the drums and the acoustic guitar and the bass guitar and the electric. electric. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's that five, six piece, like, dude, you're not doing it right. Unless you're doing it like elevation or like this group, you know, whatever it is Cold you know coming out of the air. Vents. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and again, I, I'm going to say this, like there, there's nothing wrong with those instruments. Like Fog machine, we, have, just <laughs> <laughs> we have just about all those instruments that I just named. Um, so I, I, I'm not saying that like, it's, it's bad or like a negative thing if that's you, but we want as much as we can a like, Hey, give me something that's, that's ready to go plug and play so that, so that I can have like a track to go off of. The hardest thing to do is to live in that wide middle between both of those ends of the spectrum. Well, why? Because it takes work. It takes creativity. Um, Mm. it, it, it takes, um, absorbing what we can from our Christian traditions and from the hymns that we've been given and good elements of, you know, our, uh, independent fundamental Baptist heritage. And then it's taking some of the elements of many of the new songs that we sing and even, you know, pieces from those bands and, you know, musically stylistically, and it's, creating this very wide middle and it's a very wide middle. I mean, there's a lot of people like that, that lane is, is wide open and there are people doing it, but that lane is wide open for you to be who God has called you to be as a church. Hmm. And so early on, we just kind of decided, Hey, we don't really know if God's leading us to to this side or, you know, to this side. Um, And it, it turns out that we're, we're somewhere in this wide middle of appreciating um, our good Christian traditions and, and rich, rich heritage and some of those hymns, leaving some of them behind as well, <laughs> but uh, bringing a lot of them with us. And then, man, at the same time, gleaning and taking in all we can from, from this opposite end of the spectrum. So, um, man, I can't even remember like the origin of your question now. Um, well, we, yeah, I was saying what, 
I thought I th- I think you did a good job answering. I was asking, you know, what it, what is your what is your approach to the the this conversation around how your team's set up or the and and even the worship wars and and I feel like you addressed that and that was we're not going to participate. Essentially, you're saying we don't we're not going to participate in any yeah. worship wars. What we're going to do is is allow God to if I'm understanding you correctly allow God to, he gave us specific resources. He gave us specific musicians and musical talent. He gave us specific, a specific cultural environment and setting. And we're going to let, allow God to make us unique. Yep. We're going to allow, uh, we're going to minister to the people we have, not to the people we don't. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to try to be the church that God made us to be, not try to be somebody else. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of what I'm hearing from what you're saying. Like, hey, there's there's a lot of variation and there's not one way to do it. So be mm-hmm. who you are and be who God made you to be and follow his leading and ministering to your people. That's exactly it. And that that that's kind of what I was getting at. So forgive me. I, I feel like I stopped halfway through that thought. You're good. But that is when we place ourselves on either end of the spectrum in that box, um, unless that's who God has called you to be. Like there are plenty of churches in the inner city like that. Their church music looks like elevation and it probably should with the, with the, with their demographic or, you know, the, the people Mm -hmm. that they're reaching great. Okay. Like good for them. But I guess the point of that conversation is be who God has called you to be, do the hard work of going, Mm -hmm. okay, like what resources has God given us? Who has he brought us? And how, you know, what can we make this look like? Um, I, I, what happens is when you put yourself in a box on either end of the spectrum, you end up missing the target for your church and it it becomes either distracting worship or unengaging worship. One of the two. Wow. And so instead of engaging people, um, in the style that God's called you, um, you end up distracting. Um, so what I was getting at with that is there, there is that wide middle that I feel like we're living in right now. Cause that's what God mm-hmm. has called us to do. I feel like there are still boundaries you've got to put on it. I mean, sure. Okay. God, God brought us certain, you know, talents, um, along the way that it was very clear, man, God's leading them to be a part of this music ministry. Like mm-hmm. early on, um, Amanda, uh, Monopeke and, and her husband were, were called here. She's a phenomenal pianist. It was very clear. God wanted her to be a part of the team. My best friend, uh, David, uh, Panaccio, um, my wife plays cello. I mean, like so many others, I, I could go on and on down the list. Um, early on there, there was a lady that came to me and she played harmonica and she wanted to know, you know, if she could join the worship team or if she could, you know, do a special in church. Um, I, I did, um, I, I think allow her to do like a special at the time, uh, like for like a Sunday night service. It was very early on in my, mm-hmm. uh, worship leading days. It was probably a few months in actually, and we didn't have a structure. So I just, I just kind of let that happen, but I wasn't going to really let that on the Sunday morning worship. Well, why there are, there are boundaries you need yeah. and you need to look at like cultural, you know, aspects, like, like you mentioned in your, in your question, mm-hmm. Clay which is, is, is a harmonica going to go over well in the state of Connecticut? Like <laughs> right. where we're ministering to people who commute to Boston and Manhattan for their work and CEOs yeah. of insurance corporations here in Hartford. Like, is that really going to fit? Probably right. not. Um, 
even the urban part of, of Hartford, right? Like, is that going to fit? Probably not. Is it going to fit in maybe Kentucky or West Virginia? Probably, you know? Yeah. So I, I feel like there are boundaries, um, with that as well to, to kind of temper that, that conversation. If, if I could just add to what you're saying, cause it's, it's, it brings so many thoughts into my mind. Something, uh, that I heard recently is that God doesn't expect you to be anybody that he hasn't given you the resources to be. Mm -hmm. And so both of the extremes you were describing, not that they're wrong. There are people who, who that that's who they need to be Yeah, in both of those boxes you described. But for some reason, those two extremes became the most easily mass marketable versions. Mm -hmm. Like for some reason, those two sort of, um, ends of the spectrum became like the easiest to replicate for a lot of people. Right. So it was like, right. Hey, because it appeals to the, the mat, the mass market easiest, or it, I may be in, in the, in the one extreme, it appeals to the mass, the mass market easiest. And on the other extreme, it's just the easiest to replicate. I think that exactly. was, I think that was the, the philosophy behind it. it was like, Hey, we can teach, we can train like almost anybody to do this with their hand while, yeah. while everybody's saying, <laughs> right. Yeah. And and so that's, that's, that's fine for some people, but allowing God to guide you uniquely and not, and not, uh, not trying to be somebody you're not, you know, if God, use the, if God, if God brings resources into your church and talents and whatever, and moves people to serve, that's a good, that's a sign that God's doing something in your music ministry and allowing God to do that and not being like, no, that doesn't fit our model. That doesn't know. No, we don't do that here, you know, kind of thing. Like, um, and obviously there are parameters, like you're saying, uh, one of the things that Josh and I have had numerous conversations about in our church is where you see, uh, elements of, of musical talent in your church. And you're trying to figure out, is there a way to incorporate this where we can allow this person to serve in this way, but that doesn't distract from our primary objective, which is corporate worship. Cause sometimes right. there are those musical elements that are just not designed well for corporate mm -hmm. worship. And so like maybe the harmonica is a good example yeah. of <laughs> if I don't know how this fits with the overall goal of what our music is, which is to invite people into corporate worship. Um, yeah. and so, like you said, there may be some applications for that in certain parts of the country, but but not, not nailing down, Hey, and being willing to learn from other people. That's been so huge for me is looking at what other people are doing and seeing, and just realizing, Hey, there are people who've, who've, who figured out ways to do this that I can learn from. Um, but I just go back to this, this, the worship war thing is, uh, it just, it is a distraction. Um, when you see people genuinely in their, in their hearts, worshiping God, like that's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. And so we can get hung up on, on details and not that they don't matter, but the most important thing in, in each listener's context or in our context is how am I using the resources to best disciple this group of people, the people God gave me. Right. And I know I've heard your dad talk about this because I heard a, he did a talk for the, actually the idea network a few months ago on, on, um, music ministry, worship ministry in a church. And one of the things he said that has just stuck with me was intergenerational churches struggle with this more than anyone because you have, you have different styles just inherent in the generations, mm -hmm. you know, not even always uh, demographic or uh, not, not even always geographically, but, but even demographically, like their actual, the, the age gap can, can uh, accentuate that. And not in, in one part of discipleship in a church is putting other people first. You know, looking out for the needs of others, not just as scripture says, not just for your own things, but for the things of others, esteeming others uh, in love. And one of the things he was saying is that it's selfish for any group of people in a church to say, you can only do this 
with my way. You can only worship the way that I'm comfortable with. You can only mm -hmm. sing the songs that I like to, for any group to say that to the other group. And so realizing that a well-rounded worship ministry is one that says, Hey, if we got young people, we got elder people here, let's minister to both. And it's a, in our church. I know I've seen this and I've, from what uh, I was hearing, um, uh, your dad talk about you guys have seen the same thing where where you see you see elder people all of a sudden you, they find out I actually love this Shane and Shane song yeah <laughs> like yeah and then you see younger people like falling in love with Jesus paid it all and falling in love with be thou my vision yeah uh, and new Christians who've never even heard these songs before that are young that are in their 20s like right. realizing man I love this song I love what oh, yeah. the songs that you know oh, and yeah. so it, it connects it connects uh previous generations with what God's doing now in the younger people. It connects younger people with what God's been doing for generations. And, uh, and it's a beautiful thing to watch people lay aside a little bit of what they want because they love their brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a beautiful thing that is to disciple people in that way and to see growth in that and to watch a church that is effectively ministering to everybody that God's given them. Um, that's a wonderful thing too. So I've, and I, and I, as I've watched you guys, you guys live stream. Uh, I've loved seeing that, that you guys do a good job of that. I feel like something I've learned from. Um, so I just, I, I know I rambled a lot there, but a few, um, um, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, one of the oldest members of our church, uh, one of our, one of our, you know, head deacons, uh, mm -hmm. came up to me, uh, during a church lunch. So this was after the service. And, um, he came up to me and that, that Sunday we had, we had sung, uh, a few different songs, but two of the songs that we had sung were, were, um, uh, Waymaker. And then right after that, we went into kind of an acapella of, uh, Holy, 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 right. Like just the mm -hmm. old hymn. I mean, just beautiful song and just acapella, like pick a harmony and let's just, you know, lift this praise up to the Lord. And it was, it was a beautiful moment. And, uh, he came up to me and he goes, man, that song today that we did was a humdinger. And, you know, automatically, <laughs> automatically awesome. I go, yeah, I, I, I said, Bill, holy, holy, holy. That, that's one of my favorite songs. Like I'm telling you, I love doing it. And I, I was being genuine because I really yeah. do enjoy it. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, no, no. The other one, the, the way maker miracle worker. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. My mind was blown in that moment yeah. because yeah. here we are the two very separate generations. And mm -hmm. I'm saying, man, I loved Holy, Holy, Holy. And he's saying, no, no, no. You know, the one I loved was Waymaker. you know, let's yeah, do that again awesome. next week. And I, I just think that's, that's the beauty of God's church and the gospel. It brings those people together and it tells yep. us worship is not about it's not about it's not, us. It's, a, yes. it's about, it's about God. Um, so that was huge. And I, I promise you nine years ago, if we were to do Waymaker in a church service, he would have probably passed out, um, like in <laughs> yeah. the service, oh, like yeah, right no. over the pew. I mean, just no, it's gone. A, it's a growth process. And that's something I've had to learn too, is to be patient and, and to, and to allow God to grow us over time, to move us in the right direction, get our, get our priorities. Right. I, you just told that story. Josh was here on Wednesday night. We had just this week, we were doing a sound check with our, with our worship team. And our song for this Sunday is, Oh, praise the name. One of mm. our songs is, Oh, praise the name of the Lord, our God. Um, which is a wonderful song. Yeah. And we're, 
I kind of like my hands were up. I was just worshiping for God. Nobody was in the room. Almost nobody's in the room. There's like five of us in the room. Well, we have a Wednesday evening service and they have a meal next door on Wednesdays too. The, um, and some of those people had begun to trickle over. And once in a while, as we're finishing our, our sound check, they'll start to come in. Well, this elderly lady in our church had come in and sat down uh, and was just listening. And I looked down there and I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping God. And all of a sudden I looked down, I had not even seen her before. And I see her over there and there's just tears coming down her face. Oh, that's and, cool, man. And that's special. Like, and it was funny because out in the foyer, people were walking by and glancing in. And then they're almost like poking their head and like, Hey, what's is something going on here? <laughs> like, because we were just doing a sound check, but it was not just a sound check, man. Uh, you know, it was, that's awesome. And, and I love that. I went home and told my wife, I was like, man, that's just cool to see that, uh, that our, that our worship team, like it, this is not just a performance. We're up mm -hmm. here just supposed to be checking the mics and making sure everything's good to go for Sunday. And these songs mean something to us. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that, uh, you can't, like you were talking about, you can't replace corporate worship. Something that I just can't, uh, that I've really developed a real appreciation for is just how fulfilling it is and just how much it, God made us to worship. Because when you get deeper and deeper into that, you start to really appreciate it because we're not, we're not just repeating something. It's not just vain repetition that we're, we are exalting a, the person of Christ and he's a real living, he's a living God. And, and we invite him into, our, in, we invite his presence when we worship him. You know, Psalms over mm -hmm. there says we enter, he says, we enter his courts with praise like there, there is something very real about where when you praise him, you invite that the presence of God. Um, and that's just such a cool thing. I know that's a tangent, so sorry about that. But Lance, let's end with this. We had it, the question here written down is what are your biggest challenges you faced in worship ministry? But let's, I want to kind of slide in here too. If something comes to your mind, if you have a funny story or anything just crazy that's happened that you want to tell us about, uh, just anything that's happened over the last nine years, Big challenge, uh, something you faced, uh, or some, something funny, something crazy, anything that comes to your mind. Yeah. Um, man, lots of, lots of blunders and <laughs> <laughs> just the saying or singing of, of, you know, um, stupid, stupid things or, or, um, you know, stupid moments. Um, you should have ended up on that worship fails, uh, Instagram <laughs> oh, <man>. page. <laughs> oh dude. I love that Instagram page because it just yes. makes me feel so much better about my old self and my current <laughs> yes. self. Yes. I'm just like, praise the Lord for this. Um, <laughs> my first time leading worship Sunday afternoon, I was up at my dad's house. This was, I was still 22 years old and I had no desire to, to lead music. I mean, I was all in on youth and, you know, being the youth pastor that God had called me to be. And I didn't really see past that I, um, much, but what he asked me to do that Sunday afternoon, he said, Hey, for our night service, I want you to lead music. And I was all nervous, you know, cause I, the, the only context of leading music that I had, Josh was Kong song, Kong from song yeah. the college that we attended, you know? Yes. So like I knew how to wave my arms and I was like, okay, like, you know, let me pick some songs that are four, four, you know, uh, <laughs> stayed away from the six, eight, you know, stuff like that. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep this simple. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to just, you know, keep this a good first experience. So, uh, one of my best friends was in town and he's giving me a hard time and, He's like, dude, tonight, you know, you better nail this. You know, it's your first time. And so <laughs> I, I went up there and it's just me and um, my pianist at the time, uh, Miss Judy. 
we didn't really have a church pianist and she just so lovingly stepped in and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, be your, your, you know, church pianist for the time being, she's still with us, just an incredible lady. But we started singing some, you know, well-known hymn, great is thy faithfulness or whatever. And we get mm-hmm. to the third verse and Josh, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Cause you probably remember this from college chapels, but <laughs> I was waving my arms and feeling like I was doing a good job. And, um, there was one guy that always led music in our college chapel. And you probably know who I'm talking about. He was part of the staff and faculty. And he would always say just these random phrases <laughs> at, you know, different times. And one of his phrases uh, that he would always say was, all right, on this last verse, let's hit those high X's, Y's, yeah. and Z's. <laughs> do you remember this, Josh? <laughs> I do. Oh, dude. I do. So you guys know when you're put in those situations where it's like a pressure cooker and just like your, 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 your brain is just reaching for something. Well, I don't know why, but it reached for that phrase right before the last (laughs) verse of the song. And I went for it, dude. Like I, I said, said, let's hit those high X's, Y's and Z's. Wow. And people looked at me so awkwardly and it was an (laughs) awkward pause, awkward moment. I even said it awkwardly. And we finished the song awkwardly and I came down to my best friend. And of course I'm feeling ashamed, but I said, bro, how was that? And he, he looked at me and, you know, with, with everything he could muster, he said, no, 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 it was good, bro. It was good. It was good. <laughs> I said, okay. Thanks, man. Um, that was my introduction to, to worship leading. Wow. And I tell that story all the time. It was, it was, uh, atrocious. So if you started out better than that, you have a lot of, of hope and life ahead of you. Um, I mean, plenty of times where, when I used to sing the invitation, um, you know, that when that was still a thing at our church, uh, you know, I, I would mistime it and have to book it down one of these back hallways and out around by the piano. And there's a couple of times I'd be out of breath by the time I'm supposed to yeah. sing. And if, <laughs> if you sing at all, like, you know, when you're supposed to sing quietly and gently at an invitation, it takes a little bit of concentration and effort and lung space. And plenty of times I cracked at the invitation or, or they were just like, totally... man, Lance sure is so breathy as he sings this. <laughs> it was bad, dude. I'm like, guys, I promise I'm not trying to be like Chris Tomlin. I just really can't breathe right now. I literally um... come broken. <laughs> I would just, I would ruin the invitation moments many, many times. Um, I, I try to forget those things, but we've had a lot of, uh, um, a lot of struggles, a lot of, of uh, growing pains to work through as a worship mm-hmm. team the last nine years. I would say probably um, a few of the biggest challenges were number one, it was a big learning curve uh, for me because I didn't study music really at all in college. Um, I was given a guitar. Uh, when I was younger, I was probably in seventh or eighth grade when I got that and started to learn and just teach myself. And I did things at home um, just for the fun of it. Would do things every now and then, like maybe at a teen camp with with some guys or something, but never really put myself out there or tried to get better. And so when I came here, there was a huge learning curve as to just um, not just, I guess, learning to read music, but, uh, learning to know how should a church worship team operate and yeah. singing in different keys and transitions and, uh, circle of fifths and chord charts. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's just like a whole world that, that you yep. can go into. Um, that was huge. Um, probably another challenge that, that was uh, tough for us, especially in the early years was there wasn't much talent to draw from. Um, 
And the talent that, that, that we did have at the time did an, an, an incredible job. And, and they were what helped build our worship team. And actually many of them, if not, um, I would say, if not all of them, I think there's only one or two that, that aren't on our team anymore, but many of them are still on our team. Like they're still mm, in with yeah. us, but man, uh, the, the lack of, I guess, talent, you would say at the beginning was a struggle. It was like, okay, where, like, where do we go from here? You know, and constantly kind of, you know, find ourselves hitting a wall. And when I say lack of talent, I'm referring to myself as well, obviously. Um, and then last thing was probably the, the little resources that we had, like Mm -hmm. we didn't have the church budget, uh, so much as to get like a song select, uh, song select, like annual subscription, like for the year, (laughs) like, um, Mm. and that's like, I mean, to give you perspective, I think that's like a couple hundred dollars a year. Um, we were, we were bleeding funds right when my dad came in, we were bleeding funds out of church savings. He found out like by the thousands, you know, uh, Mm. every, every month. So, we didn't have room to really do much, but, um, one of the things that, that my dad just kind of drilled into me and to our team was just constantly making the most, uh, of the resources that you've been given and God mm. will always bless that. And yes. he did. I, I basically decided to live by that. And I noticed that when, instead of complaining about what we didn't have, when I just maximized or tried to maximize what we had at the time, and when I grew myself as a leader and yes. as an instrumentalist and as a vocalist, all of it, when I grew, um, our team continued to grow as well. So, mm. um, I, that's I, great I, I feel like that right was there. a big challenge, but anyway, that's great advice. What you just said, you know, cause we've, you know, every church probably, I mean, I'm sure there's the exceptions where they just have everything, but, but most churches, you know, you're, if you're going to be a worship leader, you're going to be involved in worship, in the worship music, there's going to be something you wish was better. There's going to be something that you, that you wish you could do better. Uh, but, but just saying, Hey, I'm not going to come, we can complain about, we don't, what we don't have, or we can take the, the one talent or the five talents or the 10 talents that God has given us and we can make the most of it. And what you find the principle in the gospels is true for us too, that when you're a good steward of what God has given you, generally exactly you start to see more of God starts to, to, to bless that with more. And so, because, and, and so you just, you've, you stop complaining. You say, Hey, look, God's not expecting us to be something. We don't have the resources to be, let's be good stewards of what God's given us. And, and then God, and then God blesses that. And that that's such a great testimony that you just gave of that because that's so, I, everything in my life has kind of worked that way when it comes to my own sanctification and my own, because that that's the thing too, just a little bit of my story. I, I grew up playing the piano my whole life. I took mm-hmm. lessons since I was five or six and was a church pianist by the time I was 12, was a church pianist from 12 to I think 24, 25, 23 maybe. Um, and then I came to fellowship and became the worship pastor here. And they have two pianists that are both better than me. And so it was like, okay, what can you do <laughs> now? I mean, I was singing, but I thought, well, I had strummed around on a guitar a little bit and I had, I had musical knowledge from my, from my upbringing, but it, the, none of the, none of the mechanical, uh, skill to play the guitar. And so just Mm. saying, just embracing that and being like, Hey, I, I can play the guitar. I just have to work on it. And just growing yourself and say, I'm going to be the best version of, of the talents that God's given me. How can I fit into this team? How can I make the most of the parts that we have and allow, and allow God to be glorified because he will, he'll be glorified by, by us giving him our best and, and striving for that excellence that you were talking about earlier. And then just seeing God bless that. 
bring yeah. more people in who want to help, bring more people in who are just eager to serve. And, uh, and back to what we were talking about before, focusing on me as a worshiper, I need to be the worshipers I want to see in church. I need to be that first and I need to lead in that way. I need mm -hmm. to model that yep. so that my ent entire team sees it and that they learn from it. But then also so that the church as a product of, of me and the team, everybody starts to see that and everybody starts to be discipled in that way. Um, I that, love that. That's, that, that's it, man. And I, I, I would say, um, I know you guys probably got to wrap up soon, but I, but I, I would say that was probably one of my biggest challenges that I, I, I was kind of saving for the end, which is when I would grow as a worship leader in my, not, not skill, that's one thing, but when I would grow in my understanding of what worship is in a corporate context, it was hard to go, okay, how do I now transfer that to my team? Like, how do I bring them along on this journey that I've been taking as, as a Christian, really? How do I, how do I help them see the things that I'm seeing? Um, and you said it, Clay, one of the ways you do that is, is you obviously model that. But another thing that, that, that I, I feel like I realized I needed to start doing was to train our team and to train them through scripture on what true biblical worship is like helping them understand, Hey guys, it, it's okay. Like our, our music can be joyful and energetic and fun. Like in Psalms 47, it says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people, right? Like yes. shout to shout to the Lord with, with songs of joy. That's talking about in a, in a worship context, um, in, you know, second Samuel, I mean, you, you guys know this scripture, but it talks about how David danced before the Lord. I mean, we could talk about all the instruments that were, that were used in, um, you know, all, all, all throughout scripture, um, helping mm -hmm. our team understand guys, it's, it's okay to, to be expressive in worship. It's okay to enjoy yes. what we're doing on the stage. That's gonna, mm -hmm. um, that's gonna bring people into that experience and help them lose themselves and truly worship, uh, the, you know, the God that they're wanting to, um, worship and helping our team, uh, uh, understand scripture. Um, I remember one of the first times that I taught in, um, one of our small groups, the, um, the seven Hebrew words for praise. Have, have you guys studied this at all or, mm -mm, or, no. or heard of it? Okay. Clay, dude, this would be a great study to take your team through. If, if you want, grab the book, um, Holy roar. It's by Chris Tomlin. And I think his pastor at the time. That's awesome. Um, and th th that's just a great resource in what I'm talking about. But I remember walking them through the seven Hebrew words for worship. And wow. one of, one of, one of the Hebrew words is halal, which, which means that's where we get our word, you know, hallelujah, which is like mm -hmm. to boast, to rave, to be clamorously foolish. Like it, um, it really refers back to when um, the children of Israel would be in the wine press and they would be dancing in the wine press, they didn't care what they looked like to other people while they were doing that. Like they didn't care that the hem of their, of their garments were, you know, stained with, with purple. They didn't care what they looked like. They were just halaling right to their mm. savior. Another wow. word though, that I think really changed our, our team and our, and our church in this is the word yada, which is one of the, Hebrew words for, um, praise as well. And it's, it's used, I think like 112 or 111 times in the old Testament. And the word yada literally means, um, to 
thing on here real quick. Let me just pull it up because I, I promise you I will butcher it. There it is. It means to worship with extended hands, to throw arms up in praise or surrender. Um, it also wow. means to throw a stone or an arrow, which I would pray that people don't do in worship. But <laughs> it's it's to worship with extended <laughs> hands, to throw arms upward in praise or surrender. I mean, that word yada, like when we read in um, Psalm 67, three, where it says, let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. It's literally saying, let the people yada thee, like literally let this be something that, 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 um, you know, truth informing our, our spirit. And then that coming out of us, that, that physical expression, we do this naturally, right? I mean, mm-hmm. j- just this past Sunday, I watched my Dallas Cowboys take down the new England Patriots Praise the Lord. And at the end of that game in overtime, like I was, I had my Dak Prescott jersey on. I was dying. I was dying. Like (laughs) I like hands extended. We do this naturally, but, but helping our team understand things like that, like guys, it's okay um, to, to kind of, you know, come along on this journey with us. Mm. Um, what we what we want to avoid, obviously, is emotionalism, and I, I'm 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 sure that you guys have talked about that probably on this podcast. Which is emotionalism is essentially the pursuit of the feelings, yes, um, themselves, right? Like it, it it's not pursuing after God and the emotions being you know a byproduct of that. It's not the pursuit of truth; it's the pursuit of the feeling that I get when I worship God, and that that's right. not healthy. But yep. man, helping our team understand that all throughout the Psalms, we're, we're, we're invited to kneel. We're invited to clap. We're invited to yada. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. And there's, you know, five or six other words that you can go through in that study clay, but that's, that's great. I, I think that was a big challenge helping. Like when I learned to these things, help bringing our team along. And I feel like we are still, we're still on this journey right now. Like we're still, um, understanding it and grasping it for ourselves. And we're holding on to truth and to doctrine and all of it. Yeah. But um, at the same time, I, I I feel like we're we're still growing in, in that area. So yeah, that that uh, that understanding we did we actually briefly talked about that sort of recently on a recent episode. Just how how emotions are not the point, but emotions are not the enemy either. And and realizing mm-hmm. God made our emotions, and it's okay to like you were saying, it's okay to get him engaged mm-hmm. uh, to because God made our emotion and there's no this this false dichotomy between whether or not you are praising God and whether or not you're enjoying yourself like yeah there, there yeah. is no there's no battle between those yeah the, the whole earth uh, you were reading from revelations earlier where the whole earth all the creatures that are under the sea and above the sea wherever they are are going to join together in worshiping God like it's the most natural thing in the world for us to worship God it's only a product of sin that that we that we struggle with it to the degree we struggle with it. That's our sinful nature. Like it's the mm-hmm. most natural thing, the way God created us to worship him. So of course it, it, it just stands to reason that, that if we're doing it well, we're going to be having a blast doing it yeah. because, because we were made for it. Um, yeah. and so, um, man, I've loved this conversation. It's been good. I have a funny, awesome. I, I, I have a couple of, of garbagey stories. Oh, please I'm do say that share, <laughs> make this guy feel better. <laughs> I, uh, I almost always have the other, the other musicians intro a song. I'm on the acoustic guitar, but I almost never am the, in the one leading off because yes. I'm usually introducing it and I'm not good enough yet to introduce a song while I am actually introing it on the instrument at the same mm-hmm. time. But this song, we were going to do mercy is more. Oh yeah. And we love doing that song. Our church loves it. It's great. But 
but we wanted to come in just with like four hard strums. One, two, three, four. Praise the Lord. We're going to come in like that. Pardon my voice. I'm just getting it back. But um, but I came in. I, I put the capo in the right spot. <laughs> but I was supposed to be in, uh, I don't know if it was second fret, third fret C. I think it was like B flat or something. And I just completely started on the wrong chord. I think I was supposed yes. to be hitting a, a C chord from the from the fret I was. I hit a G. <laughs> it was awful. And I came in so high. It was horrible. And that is great, like, dude. I yell into the mic, praise the. And when I go to hit the Lord, I just back off completely. Yeah, it <laughs> and, cracked bad. And too. the whole and the whole team, like, it actually wasn't that far out of range for them and so they like started to sing but then they looked at me like what's he doing i was like <laughs> and it was our first song like we were like welcome everybody like let's stand together let's sing and, and then we went right in and it was horrible but it i just laughed and i and i think i said sorry guys we're going to change the key you do not want to hear what that would have sounded like <laughs> <laughs> that's great good recovery at least <laughs> yeah and and everybody laughed but you know what i we actually I remember that day and I remember actually being in the bathroom like nervous beforehand because some of the songs we did, I just didn't feel as ready as I would have liked to felt. And we all have those moments where you're like, hey, we put this service together, but I just wish we'd had a little more time with this, but we're just going to do it. Mm -hmm. And and I had gone into the bathroom and I was nervous and I had prayed. I was like, Lord, I pray that you just help our team, help everything to go smoothly. <laughs> and I think God knew that maybe my, I was, maybe I was a little too attached to yeah. feeling successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And God was like, you know what? You're going to squeal <laughs> right at the beginning of the service. <laughs> I'm going to, he said, I'm going to bump you down a couple notches. Yeah, this ain't right, about right you. at the beginning of this. This ain't about you anyway. <laughs> and after you get that out of the way, you're just going to relax and, and worship God. So let's just, <laughs> and you know what it did? I, all of a sudden I wasn't worried about like, how, how could I mess it up now? Like it did right. kind of take away the jitterbugs and got got that out of the way. So mm. it, it's both a, a a funny story, but it's also very instructive for me. Don't take yourself too seriously. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Take a breath. We're worshiping God. He's going to be honored if we do our best. Like yep. just go out there and, and love Jesus. That's and, it. Uh, and God will, God will take care of the rest. But Well, Lance, you've mentioned a couple books throughout mm -hmm. our time together. Do you have any other books that you might recommend to uh, our audience to maybe dive deeper into this topic of worship or really just any books in general that you would recommend? Yeah. Um, Probably one of the top books that I recommend for worship leaders and that I also give to our team because it's it's kind of um, an easier read and it's not as thick. I I don't think I have it with me right now, but it's called uh, True Worshippers by Bob Coughlin. Mm. Um, and that that's just a great book. And it's 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 pretty slim. So it's it's easy enough for the team to understand, but very, um, very <clears throat> helpful for the worship leader. Uh, another one is called Holy Roar by uh, Chris Tomlin. And I, again, I think it was his pastor that helped him write that. Um, one that I mentioned earlier was called uh, Worship Evangelism by Sally mm -hmm. Morgenthaler. That's that's a, a much older book, but very good. Um, a couple smaller books that I think are good kind of in the in the Getty world. Uh, there's there's uh, kind of a mini book called Sing by uh, Keith and Kristen Getty. Um, that's a good one. Uh, Corporate Worship by Matt Merker. Mm -hmm. um, and then Christ-Centered Worship by Brian Chapel. And um, this last one I haven't read much of, but I've heard it's really good. It's on my list for this year. It's called Worship Matters by 
Bob Coughlin. Yeah, Bob Coughlin. I've heard. I've, yeah. I've read part of that one as well. It's okay. on my Kindle. I'm working through that one too. Nice. Yeah. All all good stuff, man. I, I I've 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 really enjoyed chatting with you guys, and I respect what you guys are doing, and I I think it's uh, making a difference, and you guys are just doing a great job, man. So thanks for having me on and we appreciate it, man. Lance, for we, your time, Lance, we, we appreciate you coming on, man. I've really, uh, been blessed and enjoyed this conversation. I, I appreciate your heart and what you guys are doing there, uh, for Christ and just, uh, what the focus and, and, um, just trying to do a great work for the, for, for Jesus and, and the gospel and, and trying to give him glory. And, and thanks so much. We, we wanted to have a conversation about worship and, and you are the perfect guy for it. And just, we appreciate you coming on, helping us, helping our listeners think through this and, and giving us something to chew on. And, and hopefully the listeners, you know, hopefully we all and our listeners can take, can walk away from this, uh, just with the focus on Jesus, you know, just, just pursuing passionately after him and letting our letting our ministries, worship ministry included, but all of them just be an outflow of, of that, of that passion and love for Jesus. So I appreciate it, man. Would you mind uh, closing us out with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Josh and Clay and their ministry here, God. Um, thank you for just the good conversation that you gave us. And we pray that you'd use this conversation um, not as a tool to make people think that we have it all together or that we have it all figured out, but Lord, I pray that you'd use it as a tool to encourage people, um, on where, wherever they are at on their journey of understanding what, what worship is, um, in their own lives, what corporate worship is in the context of the church setting, Lord. And I pray that, um, something that was said during this interview, God would just, uh, bring clarity um, maybe even, um, ease, um, um, consciences, Lord, uh, maybe even, uh, help, help people not, uh, take themselves too seriously, Lord, whatever it is, I pray that you would use something that was said in here to encourage and strengthen believers as well as strengthen, uh, worship leaders and pastors, Lord, and we'll give you all the glory for it. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Young Baptist Pod. And check out our website at theyoungbaptistpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a review wherever you consume the content. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time on the Young Baptist Podcast. Young Baptist.